What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of The Bounce by Slap Talk. You got me, Amil Sarfani, and our co-host, Rob Gerard. How are y'all doing tonight? Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate it. We got a fun episode for you. We're actually going to be talking about some basketball cards today and, and kind of our thoughts on uh, NBA prospecting and prospecting in general. Uh, but let's go ahead and welcome in our co-host, Rob. What's going on? How are you doing tonight, buddy? Amel, Amel, what's going on, man? I am feeling good. I'm pumped to be here. I'm feeling good about the hobby. Um, I'm ready to go, man. I am ready to go. I'm ready to talk cards. I'm ready to talk all that stuff. Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. But before we do, uh, how how was your weekend, man? Yeah, weekend went well, man. You know, weekend went well. I'm uh. I tell you, so I have, I've, it's like, I've had a lot going on, but not much. It's, it's really strange because so just, I just want to give a little shine, a little bit of light on some upcoming shows that I'm going to be going to, and I'm going to be at, because I know I always intend on mentioning them and I haven't. So, um, Springfield mass, April 3rd, 2022, um, which is a Sunday we're having the, uh, card show, the new England card show in Springfield. That's going to be a huge show. Um, so it's April 3rd, but the night before, the night before at the MGM Casino, we're doing a trade night that I am hosting. I am hosting a trade night at the MGM Casino. Um, it's going to be big. It's going to be awesome. Um, shout out to Primetime Sports in, uh, in Connecticut. They're the promoters of that show. Then six days later, April 9th, uh, we are doing a big show in New Jersey, the New Jersey uh, trade show with what Laz he promotes. That's going to be big. So we're doing uh, we're doing that. That's going to be in Secaucus, New Jersey. Then toward the end of April is uh, the Hofstra show, which is what they call between that and White Plains. They call the East Coast National. This is a quarterly show. It is massive. It's like literally standing room only. You can't even walk in the aisles. It's so packed. So I'm going to be set up at Hofstra as well on the 23rd and 24th. Shout out to John from Behind the Diamond. Um, that's going to be big. That's good. So I have shows on the mind, but at the same time, I really haven't been making many moves in the last month and let me just say this i had a package and I, you probably saw it on my instagram if you follow me i had a package that was sent to psa that got opened somewhere along the way before oh, it got cool. the psa yep and then when psa received it they saw it was tampered with and there were no cards in there so they put return to sender and it got returned so I had a little over six grand in cards in there. And then uh, Ken, who is um, at sports cards underscore lessons, had about two grand in cards in that package. So we're out about eight grand right now. We're hoping um, everything goes through with being insured. Uh, but, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I've never had something like a package of this size just get lost like that before. Uh, you actually did like last month we talked about it the the big card that was <laughs> i know the michael jordan rookie yep the bgs9 that got lost luckily luckily i had purchased that card and the sender insured it but very randomly had an identical card identical grade so just sent me the second one however this one is a little bit different so this one we actually i've been using a subber for PSA. So I sent my cards to the subber and then the subber is the one that sent it. So he received the package back saying that, you know, it was open. It wasn't there. Um, 
but he's assuring me everything will be okay because it's insured. But, you know, I can't ever feel good about it until we actually do get reimbursed. And it's not like I'm going to get reimbursed for what the for what the grades would have been. I, I'm going to get reimbursed for what the raw prices were for those cards I paid, which sucks because Ken had all numbered cards, like a gold mm. rock refractor, you know, the rock WWE gold rock refractor out of 50. Like it there's, I don't think there's any for sale on eBay. So he's out that card and he won't get another one. I had a 1953 Jackie Robinson. I had a 1982 wrestling all-star Hulk Hogan, uh, Mike Trout tops update rookie. Like, you know, so I had some bigger cards in there too. It was kind of a bummer, man. Yeah, that is a bummer. That's horrible. Um, <clears throat> man, I, I'm glad you're insured. That is that is a huge positive in all this. But to lose those cards, that sucks. And I feel like this has happened to you a couple times now in the past couple months, which that sucks. I don't feel like it actually happens that often. And you you buy and sell and, and send cards to the mail more often than I do. But um, I haven't had that happen to me very often. Uh, and it seems like it's happened to you a couple times. Now, yours was opened on the way. So do you think like a carrier may have recognized what it was or where it was going. Yeah. So this is what my subber told me. Now I've never, I, I'm, I'm hoping I'm assuming everything my subber is telling me is on the up and up, right? I have no reason to not trust him. I've sent multiple subs through him. He's fine. Right. He's always been good. Um, but he's like, yeah, no, nah, no problem. He was totally casual about it. I'm kind of like freaking out. Like, dude, those are my cards. <laughs> like, you know, like some, rare cards and um he's like ah just get me the values you know this has happened before and i'm like okay and then he said well last time it only took three to five days to get a check he said this time though it might be a little bit more because we think it was a mail carrier that did it someone at the post office so at some point between leaving the house and getting to psa it was open and tampered with damn damn that is unfortunate um but as things get more um, valuable, I feel like this is the type of stuff that ends up happening sometimes in the market uh, when people try to get greedy with it. And so <clears throat> it's an unfortunate circumstance. I'm sorry to hear that. Hopefully it all works out for you. Keep us updated. No, um, yeah. And, and thank you, man. And you know what's crazy is the same day I found out it happened, like literally within an hour or two, it was so weird, the timing. I opened up Instagram. And literally the first screenshot that came across my Instagram feed was a screenshot of like a post office truck. And it said postal worker arrested for stealing $40,000 in cards. And I was like, what? I'm like, I'm like so obvious. I, I'm not thinking this was obviously the same guy. I don't even know where that happened. But yeah, I think people are starting to get, you know, like hip to the fact that if they see anything sent to PSA with the PSA name on it. They don't know for all they know that could have a hundred thousand dollar card in there. Thank God. We only had eight K in cards, knock on wood, you know, but I mean, postal workers don't know that for all they know, it could be a Luca rookie or a, a borough RPA in there. They don't know. So they're kind of taking the risk by opening it. Oh, yeah, you know, and I think this is one of those hurdles that uh, a hobby like this that requires a lot of mail and it requires a lot of physical card handling, whether it's buying and selling and, and, and sending through the mail like that. This is a 
byproduct of that. And I wonder with all the kind of new technology that's going to come out uh, with all the money that's headed to the market and has headed to the market through Fanatics and other big companies that are making Collector's Universe that are making big kind of investments in the sports card hobby. If this is one of the pain points that we are all talking about is if we can alleviate some of these types of pain points, whether it be vaults, which I know that's been a lot of uh, a lot of stuff has come up with uh, different vaults coming up and, and offering that service to house cards. Uh, and that way you're trading basically just kind of online and that the, the card itself stays in a vault somewhere. Um, you know, that could be one of the solutions that kind of continues to make this a little bit easier and 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 alleviate some of that stress that pay, may, that people may have by doing this, you know, and you're lucky you insured it and your suburb insured it. Um, but a lot of times uh, that may not be the case. And so what do you do in that say in that scenario? You just lose all that money, which is a make or break for most people, you know, like that's a lot of money. So uh, absolutely. And and I remember a month or two ago when I had um uh I'm drawing uh, Probstein on my pod, he had said that he can he envisions in the next few years that when we open up boxes or we open up packs, that cards already come graded from PSA not every card but the hit card so if you get a hit card you open it it's already graded and I said yeah and then you know you'll probably get a 10 he said wait he said that doesn't guarantee a 10 because in manufacturing sometimes things happen so you might open up a box and the hit card is a PSA 9 and it's like whoa but I mean I think figuring out a way because everything evolves right I mean nothing stays the same nothing stays the same so you know, everything's just constantly involving on earth, you know, and when it comes to the hobby, you know, grading is something that was like people were like, Puh, you know, 10, 15 years ago, but now this is the absolute norm. So how do we fix the issue of grading, knowing collectors, dealers, flippers, whoever you are, want graded cards? How can we minimize the mail movement? How can we minimize putting our gold in the mail for anyone to just grab? Yeah. What I imagine happens, you know, there's a part of me that thinks that some of these vault places, what they'll do is mint these cards as NFTs. And that way you're just trading NFTs instead of trading physical goods. Um, it's still second back. week, second week in a row, you're bringing up NFTs on this. I don't, do, do you really, is NFTs truly the future? hundred percent, dude. Like if you are, look, I, I will be honest right now. That's got a, a really terrible name because of all the shitty projects that are out there and that there are a lot of projects that are probably going to go to zero whenever the correction, in the NFT market happens, which it's going to happen and that will happen. Uh, but the technology makes too much sense, man. As long as everything keeps going in the direction that it's going, uh, why? Yeah. That makes all the sense in the world. That way you're, 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 you're basically trading a, a digital asset that is securable, you know where the ownership of that lies because it's recorded on the blockchain, which is a verifiable place of ownership. And then you just have that card backed by an actual asset, which is held somewhere. And that is most likely going to be held in some sort of vault account or something, you know? And that so, makes too much sense to me because then it, it removes all of this. It removes all of the risk of sending physical goods. And that's a massive value. It makes it a lot easier to do. You're not worried about things getting lost in the mail. You're not worried about whether or not the actual person who's selling you the card owns the card. That's that's there. That's It's an NFT, you know? Like that stuff does actually make sense to me. So when it comes to cards, say 
I want to purchase a card from you. So what you're saying is somewhere the physical card would actually be in a vault. But what I believe you, so. Okay, but what you would be doing is selling me the card, but instead of sending me the card, you would send me the NFT or the ownership of the NFT. And then that NFT almost acts as a, a permission slip or an ownership slip, like a deed to say that anytime if I want to actually get the physical card, I could. I think so. Yeah, I think that's how it would work. Again, I'm not super well versed in this stuff, but if that's the theoretical way that the NFT technology is used in a hobby like sports cards, I could imagine being pretty effective, to be honest. So listen, this isn't anything we've ever talked about off the air before, but um, I'm not pro NFT by any means. I'm not even that curious about NFTs. However, with most things in life, I'm pretty open minded. I love hearing. I love learning. And then I can learn whether or not I like it or I don't. Um, I would definitely be up for bringing like some sort of someone that can truly educate us on NFTs and not pump up NFTs. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, I don't want to bring someone that'll pump NFTs on the show, but I would love to bring someone on that could be like, listen, this is what people are talking about doing. This is what the future of collectibles could be. And this, that, and a third. I don't want anyone that's going to falsely pump this stuff because I'll, I'll log off mid-interview. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if you're out there and you know what what uh, what he's he wants to hear right now, let us know. Reach out to one of us on our Instagrams, and uh, maybe we could set something up because I do think it's an interesting topic. Yeah, me too, man. Me too. Um, and but I'll tell you what. One thing that did make me feel a little bit better about losing those cards was seeing you in those short shorts over the weekend. So. I, there I am minding my own business. I open up my Instagram account and right across my timeline, I see a picture of Amil in these short shorts. And if you're watching us on YouTube, you can see these short shorts. I, and listen, if you are not, <laughs> if you are not watching us on YouTube, I urge you. Okay. I urge you to find this episode on YouTube so that you can look at this clip at the 14 and 30 second minute mark. All right. First, first of all, hold on. First <laughs> of all, listen, I, I, I definitely want to hear your explanation on these short ass shorts. Okay. I definitely want to hear your explanation on these, but first of all, as soon as I saw these, I just started texting you off the wall. I must've sent you about 30 texts in a row. So annoying. Did, did you get, were you getting all these in real time or did you not see them until like 10 minutes later? No, I was getting them in real time. I was choosing not to respond to your dumbass. Okay. So can you read off a few of these texts that I sent you? Can you read off some of them? Cause I would love to, I would love to hear you. Um, we're only gonna we're only gonna humor you for like a minute here, okay? Okay, These okay. So I I saw this picture of Amel. I'm in the middle of cooking, right? I just picked up my phone real quick. I'm in the middle of the cooking, and I, all these thoughts start coming to mind when I see these short shorts. So I just start firing off text messages to him nonstop. I couldn't stop. The thoughts couldn't keep, stop. So okay. All right, looking like you're about to go try out for the swim team in those damn shorts. Looks like you're posing for Playgirl in those damn shorts. Uh. Shopping in the boys' department in those damn shorts. Uh, about to have your nuts fall out of those dumbass shorts. Uh, let's see. What's shorter, daylight savings times or those shorts? Uh, 
what's shorter, Kobe Bryant's rap career or those short ass shorts? Uh, looking like you went to shop, you went shopping in the Muggsy Bogues closet uh, with those short ass shorts. Uh, are we good? A couple more, a couple more. Uh, I thought you were wearing long underwear, walking around 100% skin. I don't even know what that one is. Uh, I, I don't, I, yeah, those are a lot of them looking like John Stockton in those shorts. I'll take that <laughs> as a compliment. Looking like John Stockton. All right, my turn to defend myself, and then we're moving on from this stupid conversation. You, my friend, are an old fart, okay? If your style is still stuck wearing shorts beneath your knees, which you told me you still do that, I, I think you're the crazy one, okay? I am style. I, I, have a, I have good style. I'm with the times. You watch NBA right now. Are those guys wearing short? Or are they wearing long shorts beneath those knees? I don't think so. I think you're the one that's backwards. I want to make a bunch of old man uh, 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 sitting in a rocking chair jokes because of how old you are, you old man. So, yes. So, you know, I, I definitely belong to the theory that um, you can tell what – the best year of a man's life was based on his wardrobe. So if you're looking at a 65 year old man and he dresses like 1974, chances are 1974 was his peak. Okay. What was yours? 1952. So that's Mickey Mantle's tops rookie. So I wish. Um, so, but let me say this. Okay. Now I don't know what my peak year was, but I'll tell you what though, I cannot get with, wearing tight clothes or wearing short shorts that look like long underwear i cannot do it man like like if you if you see me at a show i would i'm most likely wearing cargo shorts right to my knees how many pockets do your shorts have like 15 (laughs) those shorts you were wearing had no pockets where do you even put anything i mean you got to carry around a satchel that's that's actually in the fanny pack satchel thing is very in right now in fact i bet if you've been at sports car shows you're seeing people walk around with i am seeing fanny packs you're right listen i'm not knocking fanny you just knocked it rob no listen there's a there's a difference between a satchel and a fanny pack okay if you are rocking um uh, a fanny pack man all the power to you and and listen I just don't want you to get a ticket for indecent exposure down in San Antonio wearing those shorts. That's all. But listen, no, it was all it was all in good fun though, man. It looked like you had a good walk. It looked like you had a good walk. Did you go on a hike? Yeah, a little hike around here in San Antonio. It was nice, good. It was man. good. It was good to spend that time outside. The weather was beautiful. We took my dog, took you know, my wife and I went. It was fun. Um but let's let's move on from our fashion conversation because I'll be honest, I don't think either of us are uh, fit to give any sort of fashion advice. I'm not that. <laughs> I'm only stylistic. I'm only I'm only fashionable compared to you, which is uh, I think the bar is much lower there. So. <laughs> let's move on to sports cards because I think yeah. that's what people come to talk yeah. to or to listen to this podcast. Um, let's do a quick. What's your take on the Tom Brady coming back to play after like a month off? I tell you what, I, this has been the most insane offseason I feel like I've ever seen in the NFL because it seemed like literally the world was waiting, the NFL world was waiting to see what Tom Brady was going to do 
or really it seemed like Aaron Rodgers. Once that Aaron Rodgers news dropped, right, about him. And first of all, Tom Brady, um, I the second it happened, I said, yeah, that makes sense because the ESPN reporter basically forced his hand, whoever it was that leaked it, um, that he was retiring. So it literally forced him to either say I'm retiring or I'm staying. Like, so I'm not surprised. I, I mean, it was cool news to see. Like I was surprised for a second, but then when I sat back, I'm like, no, I'm not surprised. Like, yeah, Brady can still play at an elite level. He He's like, you know, in the top for MVP. So that makes sense. But when the, when the Rogers news dropped to me, that made sense because where else would he go to have as good of a chance as he would with the Packers, even though Rogers cannot win the big game. Um, can't win in the playoffs, it seems like. It's so bizarre, this guy. Um, but he couldn't go anywhere else where they'd have a contender. What I am surprised about is that Devontae Adams isn't there. But as soon as the Rodgers news happened, every all the dominoes started to fall. What were your thoughts? What are your thoughts on, on Brady and then Russell Wilson going to Denver? Yeah, so I think that Tom Brady sat back, saw what was happening in the NFC, and was like, how can I not come back? Because the road to the Super Bowl is as easy as it's ever been. I mean, you think that really played a part? I mean, a hundred percent. I, I cannot imagine Tom Brady looking at the landscape of the NFC right now and not seeing just absolute easiest road to the Super Bowl he's ever had. I mean, it's crazy. Like the NFC right now, Packers signed Rodgers and then lost Devontae Adams. Who is Rodgers going to throw to the Packers are, I don't, they don't have enough weapons anymore. I, I just don't see them being a contender. Uh, this, the Rams did lock up Stafford, uh, which is good for them. I think they'll obviously be a top in terms of uh, people, uh, 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 in terms of uh, potential contenders for the Super Bowl. Yeah, but then the Rams lost Von Miller, and Von Miller's in Buffalo. Can you imagine if Von Miller wins a third ring with a third team? Yeah. Does that automatically put him in like the top three NFL defensive players of all time? Like LT, Ray Lewis, and then Von Miller, if he wins a third? Yeah, I I bet Aaron Donald's probably above Von Miller in that right now, but Von Miller's one of the best to play, so like why not, right? Let's yeah. just put him in that conversation for 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 conversation's sake here. But I think with Russell Wilson going over to the AFC from the Seahawks, that took out yet another contender, not that the Seahawks were necessarily on the path forward there, but I think that you look at the 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 the, the landscape and you've got you've got the Dallas Cowboys, you've got the Rams, you've got I don't think the Packers are going to be there. Then you got the Bucks. I mean, who else is really coming out of the NFC as a real contender? I'm not sure there's much of a conversation there. But the Cardinals are still there. Uh, but how, Tyler, let me jump in real quick. How likable is Russell Wilson? I can imagine him being pretty likable, actually. And I he bet it's like the most likable person yeah. in the NFL, which I'll tell you what, I thought that Mahomes had that title up until last year when his wife and brother just completely tornadoed and catapulted. I don't even know if I'm using the right descriptions, but his reputation. I mean, he he's like turned into someone that like people can't stand because of his family. But but Russell Wilson, though, man, he is just like he does everything right. It seems like he's just he's super likable. He's a gentleman. I mean, he's got, you know, a, a pop star wife with the Sierra. I mean, he's got a great looking family. You know, the kids, they all came matching to the press conference. I mean, 
man, I'm if I'm not rooting for Russell Wilson, man, and I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I think that uh, it's going to be a really interesting football season. There's been a ton of transactions, so I, I think it'll be interesting to see. But I do think that's what Tom Brady was looking at and was licking his chops. I mean, how do you not come back for that? So I'm excited to see him play again. He's the greatest football player we've ever seen, and so. Uh, I'd like to keep him for a couple more years and see him hit age 45 playing quarterback at the highest level. So pretty insane. Now, let me ask you, do you think does him coming back? Cause I know, you know, everyone knows about the guy buying the half million dollar last touchdown pass that he threw. And now it's not the last touchdown pass he threw, but um, do you think him coming back does anything to his market? Does it make it go up or down? I think if you're buying Tom Brady at this point, nobody's reacting to this news. Nobody's saying, oh, Tom Brady adding yet another Super Bowl is going to change his actual legacy anymore. I mean, it's it's solidified. He is the best quarterback to play. If he adds another Super Bowl, that would be insane to do it at age 45 to yet add another Super Bowl. I think his market will continue to go up over time slowly, but I don't think Tom Brady's a short-term play. I think if you're buying Tom Brady, he's a long-term play, and in that case, I think you'll be fine on his, his cards. I'm not necessarily buying Tom Brady right now um, just because his cards are really, really high. And if you look at his index on Card Ladder, which we're looking at on YouTube right now, you can see over the last two years that they've gone up uh, a lot, you know, and and even in the past few months uh, in 2022, you can see that the jump that they made uh, as well. And so I, I don't think uh, that this news is going to change his market that much. I just think that it's going to continue doing what it's doing and it's going to give uh, it's not going to give the market any sort of break, if that makes sense. Like what I did expect when he retired, honestly, was a little break in the Tom Bar- on the Tom Brady market, maybe come down a little bit. And you can maybe see that happening here at the very, very tail end uh, of the last week. Um, but I don't think that happens anymore with him coming back and playing. So I, I it just amazes me. He's literally his, his when it comes to legacies now, it's like. I think people agree that maybe he's past Jordan in terms of grace of all time. Right. I mean, absolute go absolute. And it's like, it's almost like he's, he's, you know, fighting himself in terms of legacy. It's like, you know, I've never seen an athlete so determined to win. I just think unbelievable. Jordan, I think the Jordan versus Brady conversation is hard in terms of all time goats. It's, it's it's different sports, and that's always a tough conversation. But um, I do think that the context Jordan was playing in with what he was able to do for basketball as a whole and worldwide, and just like the whole the way he just captured the entire world's attention the way he did, uh, I think is hard to replicate. So I, I I do think Jordan has its own aura for that reason, and the way he did it in six years out of seven I, I think it's just I think it's insane so I I don't, I don't know uh what that conversation is like and then the conversation to me when it comes to Brady versus Jordan is is it harder to win in football or is it harder to win in basketball um and I've heard this conversation go both ways both arguments make some sense to me one of which is that you've got a lot of basketball players that have multiple championships whereas that's much harder to do in football so would that mean that it's harder to do in football? Um, I don't know. I think the fact that you can dominate in basketball and then actually going out and dominating an era as guys like Jordan and LeBron did is is different because you can have such an impact. Does it make it easier or harder? I, I'm not sure. Football is also is obviously much harder because you've got 11 players on the field and you've got 
defense and offense and special teams and a lot of things that have to go right in order to win. Uh, but does that make it so that Tom Brady won several of those, those Super Bowls because the, the defense was just insanely good, you know? And does that make or break the Super Bowl win versus Brady's performance particularly, right? Well, yeah, and, and, and definitely all great points. You know, what I'm thinking about is like, okay, you know, when it comes to like a player's will to win, right? Like, you know, the the two that people are always talking about are Jordan and Kobe, right? Like cutthroat. I mean, determined, nothing stopped him from getting the basket. And that's always been kind of a knock on LeBron, but that's a different conversation, right? Like LeBron will pass during the big, big moment a lot of times. But so, but with Jordan, he, I'm not going to bring up 94, 95 when he walked away from the game because, you know, he was dealing with the passing of his father and stuff. But in 98, after 98, he was able to just walk away from the game, right? Whereas Brady, Brady like cannot walk away from the game and not only is he playing many more seasons than Jordan has but he's continuing to win he's continuing to play at such a high level like Brady's almost showing that like I want to walk away but I can't you know and if Jordan would have come back and won maybe one or two rings with the Wizards this might have been a different conversation but people just try as hard as they can to forget the fact he came back with the wizards almost like it never happened whereas brady coming back with the bucks he comes back and wins the super bowl his first time out you know well he hasn't he didn't retire but you know he got he moved well, to the bucks and yeah jordan i mean retired and then came back to play for the wizards for a little while i think jordan had a similar thing but i think there's a different conversation there in terms of what players can do in terms of the science that's now available to them the the just the the, the health of the league that people just pay attention to a little bit more so you don't have athletes doing what they were doing in the 90s um you know infamously like drinking beer and and, and smoking cigarettes and cocaine and stuff in the 90s and all that stuff that obviously doesn't happen in the locker rooms now and, and the science of 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 being able to take care of your body is just way more advanced and so that's uh, a hard conversation i think because you're talking about 20 years right I mean, I mean, it, it's a good point but i don't think science has advanced that much in the last 20 years i, think, I don't think it's advanced think that all, much i think all players take care of their bodies more as a whole now than they ever have and definitely much more well, yeah I, I would say that too yeah you know but the thing is we can only compare our bodies to you know or our playing days to the teams we played against right so so it did take jordan and not that i want to make you know where i i guess i'm single-handedly making this a jordan versus brady conversation which wasn't my intent but um you know it took jordan almost six seven years to win a ring, to win a trophy. And, uh, you know, I'm a huge Jordan fan. I love Jordan. Don't love Brady. I don't love Brady. But, um, I mean, just, just watching what Brady's done is just unbelievable. And I feel pretty lucky to be able to watch him come back for one more year for sure. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm glad to see Brady come back. I want to see him play. I don't really like Brady all that much too, but you got to appreciate his greatness and what he's done over the last uh 20 years in the league. So, it is uh it's, it's he's coming back uh and and I'm excited. I I I wish I was older. I, I wish I was old enough to remember what Jordan, you know, I I didn't get to watch really Jordan play 
I was too young for Jordan's years. And so it's always one of those things where it's hard for me to necessarily talk about Jordan's greatness because I didn't get to experience it. And that's so much of his greatness for the people who did get to watch him is just like what that era felt like when Jordan was on the court. So you're young, hence your short shorts. And you're old. <laughs> All right, let's talk about NBA. Yes. Because this is the topic we wanted to get into today. So this is going to be the meat of the conversation today. And uh, it's something that we've talked about a lot over the last couple of weeks, just because we're getting into that time period for the NBA, just because you've made some prospecting plays. We both know that I like to prospect a little bit uh, as well. And so I wanted to kind of get into the heart of flipping cards a little bit and not talk about it in the way that so many people have over the last couple of years on the hobby, which was all about making money, but really what the true essence of flipping is to me, which is guessing narratives, which is if you know what players are doing and if they're what they're playing like in the regular seasons and when what they're playing like early on in their careers or later on in their careers, but at a time where their narratives are down. This is my favorite part of basketball Gambling, in my opinion, is you're basically trying to guess narratives. There is a gambling aspect of this. There is a, a riskiness to this, uh, but it is the really fun part, which when I talk to people who like to prospect, like this is the fun part. Can you kind of guess where the narratives of the NBA or whatever sport that you're investing in, uh, can you guess where those narratives are going? Can you guess where the hype is going? Because if you can, you can make some money doing this because that's typically how people have made money in the sports card world before this just being in the market for the market boom. But can you kind of guess what's going to happen over the next year, two years, six months in in the NBA or slash whatever sport you're you're talking about here? And can you try to take a chance on a card like that before that hype gets there? Um so what you're saying is when you're talking prospecting, you're not you're trying to take money out of the equation. You're you're talking about let's have fun with the narratives. Let's see who can who can kind of predict the future in a way that who can because it says something about your ability to assess a player, right? If you can prospect correctly. And 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 your ability to not get caught up in the 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 present day narrative of a of an NBA player, especially one that potentially has the ability to be great and do great things, right? So like no NBA player's career is ever linear. No athlete's career is ever linear. John Morant, for example, is a great example of a guy that's absolutely on fire right now, but eventually Jaw's gonna have some struggles. I think Tatum is going through that. I think Tatum had a massive kind of hobby boom a couple years ago when they were really young and got to the playoffs way early, got to the Eastern conference finals really early on in his and Jalen Brown's careers, but then have struggled since then. And I think that's one of those examples of, of are you going to buy a guy like Tatum when he's down, which is why I liked your Tatum play is because I felt like the narrative for Tatum right now is not great. And so if you can pick up on those things, take a chance and be able to hold at it for a time in which People are talk, talking about Tatum as a top five guy, as a potential MVP candidate, which if you watch Jason Tatum play at age 23, he's absolutely got that potential. Eastern Arguably. Conference player of the week or the month just this month, week? I think I, I, he, I, I know he had one of those awards or something, but the Celtics are on a great run right now. So if you picked up Tatum while they were talking about, like if you picked up Tatum while they were talking about how they were going to split Brown and Tatum up, there was a moment before the trade deadline happened this year that a lot of the narrative around the Celtics was splitting up Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. 
that's pretty insane. And that, and, and like, that is what NBA coverage and media does. They over-exaggerate. That's what, that's what that entertainment piece of it is supposed to do. So if you can keep yourself from kind of accidentally buying into the crazy narratives that sometimes present themselves, then you can stay water and you can stay super even keeled through that process. There are ways to make plays. And you make a great point, man. And uh, and so I just looked up, and he was Eastern Conference Player of the Week this week, um, Jason Tatum. So, so just to kind of piggyback off what you're saying, right? Um, I think that the reason why I made two pretty big prospecting plays um, a couple weeks ago is because I kind of wanted to hedge my bets a little bit. I wanted to try to to not go all in on a single player. Like, like I bought the John Morant national treasure RPA bronze out of 49 at a very high price. I'm pretty sure I set the high on that price. Right. I mean, there's been no hotter player, especially that week. There was no hotter player in the, in the league that, that season, this season. So I bought that, but just like you're saying, I said, you know what? Not many people are talking about Jason Tatum. And I literally have just as much faith in Tatum as, I have in Morant and I know that you're kind of similar, man, right? Like you, you came into the game flipping uh, Jason Tatum. You've been high on Morant. So I went out and bought Jason Tatum flawless RPA gold at a low price. Cause I feel like no one was talking about him. So the thing is, if, if either one of those guys becomes a success, I think those two moves I made end up being a success. Uh, absolutely. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but that is, I think Ja is the classic buying at a time where his cards on fire. Right. So let's, Oh yeah. I want to talk about a couple different scenarios here and let's bring up a couple people that we either believe in, uh, that their narratives are low or examples of that so that people have an idea of what we're thinking about and talking about here. And then on the flip side, what are some of the stuff that's going on or what are some of the players that are super hyped up right now that have a chance to potentially come down a little bit right i think last year's uh guy for that to have been the case was like trey young right trey mm. young had a fantastic a second half and playoffs of last he year he was the hottest player in the playoffs last year up until atlanta got eliminated i mean he was must see television last year in the playoffs and so if you believe so if you bought trey young at that moment in time you bought into the hype and that's okay. Again, this is, we've all done it. We're all like, I've literally done it. We've all done it. Uh, and it happens. Uh, it's, it, this show I think is about, and this episode is about how to recognize those things. And so maybe you can learn how to stay a little bit more patient through those processes slash take some risks where you believe in when you feel like a narrative is really down on a guy. So yeah. I think Trey Young was a good example of last year's guy who was super, super hot. And then this year has really struggled. That team has really really struggled they're currently sitting at the 10 seed in the east they're not even in the top eight they're in the, the bottom of the play in right now uh and i think that's absolutely either a time to buy trey right now like you can almost go flip side now is like maybe now is the time you can get yourself a nice trey young card uh with potentially a person that thought it was going to go up from the time that they bought it last year and they're just down on the card down on the player they want to get rid of it these are things that you can kind of take advantage of as someone who's willing to take some risks. Um, is there a player in mind that right now you believe the the hobby is down on, but shouldn't be down on? Well, again, yeah, I, I think, you know, Jason Tatum, 
you know, I, I know we just kind of talked about him for a little bit and, and I think that's kind of might be kind of an easy answer, but you know, I really think Jason Tatum, you know, there's a couple guys I'm watching and when it comes to the hobby itself, I don't feel like his cards are on fire right now, you know, and, um, yeah, you know, I just, you know, I would definitely go with, with Tatum. Um, you know, then I have, you know, a couple other guys, you know, there's obviously, you know, Devin Booker, especially just because, uh, Phoenix definitely seems like they're going to be in it again this year. Uh, you know, I definitely see Phoenix. I mean, they're top team in the West, um, top team in all of the NBA. I mean, by a landslide too. The uh, right at the time of recording this, they are nine games up of the Grizzlies, who have the second best record in the NBA. So you know, it seems like the Suns are kind of coasting right now. They have a stacked lineup. So are they able to pull it out? If they're able to pull out a victory and win it, what does that do for Devin Booker? I, I think Devin Booker is definitely one of the names I had on my list to talk about. I think that he is quietly having an, a, just a, an, a, gr- a great season as Phoenix sits atop of the East or sits atop of the West right now. Um, and I don't think that's they're, – they're nine games ahead, the, uh, ahead of the two seed right now, which is Memphis. Uh, obviously, they're not going to lose that spot of the number one seed, and I don't see anybody on the back end of the, the Western Conference really giving them a run for their money in the first round at all. Even if the Lakers do get it, I still don't think that that's going to lead to any sort of upset. I think the Suns are just a really solid team, and Devin Booker right now uh, seems like one of those guys that is that people are not talking about. Um, and I don't own any Devin Booker cards. Do you own any Devin Booker cards? I don't know. I, I don't. And I think that's not because I don't really believe in the guy. Um, I mean, it, it's kind of, it, let's be honest. Um, I just don't know if I, I believe in his full on appeal. Uh, but I try not to do too much prospecting. I've always been goats over prospecting. And really, I think I'm I'm in it fully with my prospecting with John Morant and Jason Tatum. And I, I cannot see myself do much more prospecting than that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's mostly just to tell the audience if we have any sort of investments in either of these, in any of these players so that we can be pretty yeah. upfront and transparent about what yeah. we're talking about here. But I'm saying this as a person that has no Devin Booker cards and have looked at Devin Booker cards because I think that quietly, again, he's in Phoenix. People aren't really talking about them that much because they're just so far ahead of the rest of the Western Conference. They're kind of boring to talk about almost. Yeah. CP3 is injured right now. Devin Booker's having to shoulder a lot of the load and he's putting up great numbers. I think there's a chance that CP3 comes back, comes back for the playoffs isn't himself, which is a pretty classic CP3 thing. Does that mean that they don't actually win it all because they don't have Chris Paul? I definitely think that's could be why Devin Booker's cards aren't a great buy right now because they don't actually, if they don't get CP3, can they get it out? Can they, can they make it to the championship and win it all? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. I think Chris Paul's too important to that team. Well, I'll um, tell you what though, they're eight and two in their last 10 games. Yeah. Yeah, you. I mean, this is regular season. I think when it comes to the playoffs, having a guy like Chris Paul who can who can control an offense and 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 pick his spots the way he can and be able to get really good shots at the end of a shot clock, which when the game slows down in the playoffs, you want a guy like that. Devin Booker's a guy like that too that can create his own shot. So I like I like the Devin Booker play. I think it's really interesting. And I tell you, I think. I think there's an argument to be made that the Suns are a better team without Chris Paul. 
I think that other players step up. I think last year we saw it um, in the finals. You know, Chris Paul comes back. You know, they, they looked great. They looked phenomenal. Chris Paul comes back. They lose. You know, and, I, you know, I think it's one of those things where he's a great leader in the locker room on the court kind of thing. But I, I think they do have a good amount of young talent. They have a great big man. They have Devin Booker. They have some nice outside shooters. I think that the whole Chris Paul thing, um, I think from a leadership standpoint, yeah. But I think that talent wise, I think they're almost better without him. Don't kill me in the comments for that, but. Uh, it's a hot take. I, I I don't think you're right about it. I think Chris Paul is like a massive key to that 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 finals run. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I do think it's an important piece of it all. Um, but they have a lot of talent on that team. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and I tell you one other player I'm looking at, and I'm not gonna. This isn't anything too crazy, but and this isn't too much of a prospecting call at this point, but Giannis just feels like such a buy to me. Um, at a show earlier this month, I was able to pick up a Giannis uh, rookie auto, and uh, you know I was able to get that. I saw it. I was like, I'm, I'm getting this card, and I made a great deal for it. Um, this guy came over to me. He was another dealer. I saw this. I asked him, what's your price on that? He told me, and I said, listen, I want this. So before the show even starts, come over to my table, see if I have anything you'd be interested in. He comes over, right? He sees a few things. Then he starts digging through my bargain box. It's all raw cards, all raw cards. I'm like, someone please buy this. I don't want to haul this back and forth anymore. So he looked through this massive bargain box I had that was more than a few grand worth of cards. And he made me an offer. And I said, he goes, how about this for this? And I flipped through it, made him a counter offer, a little bit of cash, plus my massive bargain box, made a deal. I literally talk about consolidation. I sold, I gave this guy probably about 80 raw cards plus like 500 cash. And I got this Giannis rookie auto. I was like, yes, yes, it was great. I think it was a PSA nine, the Giannis rookie auto. But um, but Giannis, I mean, I think he, I think he was 18th on the top 75 NBA all time list. I mean, this guy is 18th on this list, and it's nothing but legends and Hall of Famers on this list. So what that tells me is he can either move up or move down on this list. And I think Giannis, for how young he is, how agile he is, how much of a warrior he is on the court, he has that Kobe Bryantness to him where I, I don't know if I've ever seen Giannis take a playoff. Have you? Have you ever seen Giannis take a playoff? No, no, I, I, I think Giannis is absolutely. I think long term buys right now. I think Giannis is probably up there in terms of the best buys you can make. I, I love you. I have, I have some Giannis cards uh, that I'm very like happy with and proud of. That I have, you know, when I look at my cards and I think about cards that I'm willing to move right now to open up funds to do other stuff. Those Giannis cards like don't come to the top of my mind. Like they're gonna stay because I just don't think it's the right time to sell Giannis. Uh, there may be a time in which in the next year or two, if they they get back into the finals or they're they're looking like they're gonna repeat. Um, I think it's really interesting to have Giannis cards right now. I think that people there's a weird narrative shift on Giannis. People are already getting fatigue on Giannis, and it's like what is happening that people are getting. Uh, bored of or have high expectations for him so much that they're not giving him the credit that it's due. He's not even in the MVP race and he's putting up massive numbers. His team is playing 
is playing great right now. They have they're like eight and two in the last ten games. They're second in the in the East. Um, I love I love the Giannis play. I think that's one of the names I was going to bring up as well as a guy that's like if you're looking for a good short term and long term play, Giannis is one of the better names that comes to mind. Yeah, definitely. So. Um, now let me ask you. So you know, I know we're kind of talking about the whole prospecting thing and the prospecting narrative. Um, with how much hype is around John Morant right now? If someone was asking you, Amel, it's about to be playoff time. Obviously, if if Morant goes on a run, or even imagine makes the finals, or even wins the finals. His price, he would have a new basement on as far as his cards go, right? There'd be a new basement. Everything would rise up and it would never go below that. What would your, would you want to buy John Morant right now, given how much hype there is and how, how high his prices are already? Like, do you have faith in him this year? This is a part of the narrative conversation because this is what we do in our heads. When we think about a player to buy, we all talk talk, talk ourselves into potential future outcomes, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody is doing this. When you talk about buying Giannis, you're thinking about what if they repeat? What if he goes to the finals again? And now all of a sudden we're talking about Giannis as like a true legend of the game who could potentially three-peat, who's got a couple MVPs, he's got a defensive player of the, you know, then you start talking yourself into those narratives. That's what we're doing here. That's what you did with John Morant when you bought the card. Like you talk yourself into a narrative. Now the conversation then becomes what are the likelihoods of those future outcomes? And then that should be part of your decision-making. Do I think John Morant has a chance to do all of that? Yeah. Cause he's fucking amazing. I love John Morant. I think he's got the ability to do that stuff. Uh, do I think the likelihood is fairly low for that when the rest of his team is good but are all very young, haven't been in playoff situations, the game's going to slow down, they're really going to have to make good decisions, and can I see a lot of young players in their first real shot at the playoffs uh, as a two-seed absolutely accidentally shitting the bed? I could see that as a likelihood too. Do I think Oof. that... Like there's another... there's another. Are you, are you thinking a first-round elimination potentially from Memphis? Do you think that's more likely or do you think them going to the finals is more likely? Hmm. I would argue the first round exits more likely to me. Okay. So I'm looking at who the top eight teams are right now. So right now, if the playoffs started today, Grizzlies would be paying, would be playing the nuggets. Um, Nuggets, obviously they have a great team. They have the Joker. They have, you know, they have, they have some studs for sure. There's talks um, about Kawhi coming back potentially. Like now he'd be coming at back late in the season, but we've seen what Kawhi can do. Look, all I'm saying is that there are like there are future outcomes that are all have some number of likelihood, some percentage that are of likelihood attached to them. We don't know that. That's obviously a future kind of yeah. uh, conversation. But do I believe that? That's one of the reasons I didn't buy the John Morant card. I was looking at right is because. As much as I want to talk myself into the narrative, and I'm not saying this to make you feel like worse about your body. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. Because these are all things that both you and I talk about and 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 think about. Um, yep. It's not like you did that without thinking about this stuff. Uh, but I do think there's a world in which John Morant is the Trey Young of last year. Now, do I think John Morant's way more likable than Trey Young? 
Yeah, like I think John Moran and Trey Young are different players. I think John Moran honestly has a much higher well, ceiling. And Trey but, Young was becoming the villain you everyone wanted to watch last year, yeah. whereas John Morant almost feels like Batman. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> That's why I think they're right. different players. You almost wanted to watch Trey Young and see if he would get there, but if he didn't, you'd be kind of a little bit happy about it. And also, people didn't like watching Trey Young hunt for fouls and do the whole uh, James Harden thing. Like James Harden's style of play is not a likable style of play, and that's what Trey Young's style of play is. John Morant's style of play is like Derrick Rose. It's exciting. It's fun to watch. You you see something every night that you've never seen before. Like John Morant's a different style, and so I think the play is different there. But from a narrative standpoint, can I see the the Grizzlies having a chance of going out in the first round? I think most likely is that they've got a really respectable first round, get out of the first round, and maybe lose in the second round. Like I think that's the most likely scenario. In which case, yeah. I still think nobody's going to be disappointed by Jaw. Nobody's going to be disappointed by the Grizzlies. At all, I don't think, which is why I think your card is safe, at least for a little while, is even if they don't go far in the playoffs, I don't think anybody had major expectations. And when players' cards drop, it's because typically they underachieve or they, they underwhelm compared to the expectations that they had. You know? And, yeah, and, and all very well said, man. You know who the Grizzlies do almost remind me of? At this point, I feel like they kind of remind me of the 2018 Kansas City Chiefs, right? The 2018 Kansas City Chiefs, like, like they're there. They have literally one of the best players manning their team right now, which with Patrick Mahomes and and John Morant, uh, and um. But it does feel like they're maybe a year or two away still. They're it would a make year sense. It's like the early Warriors years, you know, it's like when Steph and, and Clay start coming onto the scene. It's like 2014, I want to say, is like the Warriors have a really good season that's kind of surprising. And Steph all of a sudden starts seeing, seeming like he's the real deal. And I think that's kind of the feel I have for the John Morant feel. And then if he goes on to continue to dominate the league the way Steph did, again, you'll be very happy with your purchase, even if it doesn't come out right now. Um, but I think John Morant is probably the, 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 the guy of can he – uh, can his prices drop a little bit or just chill out a little bit because they lose in the playoffs either in the first or second round? Yeah, I think so. Let me ask you, would there be a more exciting playoff matchup this season than the Brooklyn Nets against the Philadelphia 76ers? No, and that's what I want to bring up because that's the that's these are these are a couple of the examples I really believe in of buying the narrative dip. The Brooklyn Nets, let's talk about him. Okay, let's talk about Kevin Durant first. I own Kevin Durant cards, so I'm going to be transparent about this. But Kevin Durant, I know, and he's always going to take a lot of flack for what happened with the Warriors and going to the Warriors. However, he is one of the most exciting players to watch play basketball. If you just watched him play basketball and didn't think about all the stuff that happened with the Warriors, I mean, he is... It's insane to watch a seven-footer be able to do what he does. The Brooklyn Nets have become one of my favorite teams to watch this season uh, because of, of Kevin Durant, and especially since we've seen more of Kyrie. So Kyrie is an, a perfect example of if you bought Kyrie Irving cards this year during the entirety of his narrative, the, 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 the dip that his just reputation took after all this stuff, and now you have Kyrie cards because you bought that's that's one of my like if you did that, you're very smart. You probably played a very 
mental game of you didn't even want to buy Kyrie cards, but you bought Kyrie cards knowing of how great of a player he truly is. And you're going to wait till the market comes back to him because all of a sudden now you're seeing all of these posts and all of this NBA coverage of Kyrie Irving. Is he the best guard to ever play the game? Well, first of all, I haven't seen a single post saying that about Kyrie. Now, Kyrie has handles. He definitely has ice in his veins. He, you know, as as seen with him with Cleveland. I mean, he he took some of the biggest shots that year that they he won with LeBron. I mean, I mean, without Kyrie, the Cavs do not win, right? But I don't see Kyrie's cards rebounding a ton. I really don't. I think he's just. Overall, I think he's left such a bad taste in some people's mouths. I think he comes across as not likable. He comes across as, you know, just the whole idea of like, you know, flat earth and, and, you know, first he says he's standing by it. Then he says it was a joke. And then he says, I'm standing by it again. Like, like, I, I just don't see him as being a super collectible guy. He's been on too many teams already um, for this far into his career. I just don't see him being a super super collectible guy to where you know you can really you know make some money at some point yeah maybe if you bought his cars at the absolute bottom of this year you might be able to make some if brooklyn goes on a run but i think in the long term i don't ever see him being up there you know i mean i don't know i just don't i mean i go ahead well i was gonna say and, and durant to me he's like a combination of like magic johnson and dirk you know, it's like the guy's just so much fun to watch. But again, I think he spoiled his legacy by by jumping teams, even though that's like, you know, the new norm almost. Um, and I think that's what makes guys like Giannis stand out and, and be loved so much more than someone like Durant. And I think that Giannis will always be more collectible than someone like Durant because Giannis stayed and won with Milwaukee. I think you're right when you compare the two. I do also disagree with the idea that Kyrie will never have a time in which you can sell his cards and make some money and the narrative won't come back. I think we will see that narrative come back. I'm already feeling the narrative coming back towards Kyrie because of like that 60-point game he just put up. I mean, Kyrie, and he's gotten better. I think one of the things that we kind of forget is with all the stuff that surrounds Kyrie is that his game has actually gotten better. Oh, he's, he's taken, his he's handles are, are second to none. Absolutely. He's he out can, a lot of inefficient shots that he used to take too. Like if you watch him play now versus when he was in even, even in Boston or Cleveland, there was a lot of that like inefficient play. Sometimes he has taken a lot of that. St- he's become such his shot selection. His, his, his actual game has become very efficient. And so he's become, a much he's got he's gotten even better as a scorer which is crazy to think about but off the court i think he's just so polarizing and so you know if if we're talking cards here which this is a sports card show um personally i i wouldn't put my money in and Kyrie. i wouldn't i'm sorry i i would not spend my money on Kyrie, and it's not because i don't think he's an incredible person person i'm not even talking about his you know i'm just talking about likability reasons I just don't see him ever being able to get over that hump almost in the way that um, Aaron Rodgers, you know, Aaron Rodgers just has too many, I think, unlikable qualities to, you know, and I'm sure I'll probably get roasted in the comments for that as well. You know, that, that Rodgers take, but I think you're right about the Rodgers take. And I think a a comparison between Rodgers and Durant is actually not completely off. I actually 
don't mind the comparison. I, I think you have a point there. Uh, but I just think Kevin Durant is so much fun to watch, and it's such a skilled basket. He's such a skilled basketball player that I think we're going to come around. And there was a moment. Oh, he's elegant. He's dude. It's beautiful. Him mm-hmm. and Kyrie are beautiful people to watch play basketball. Like I will say, I do think that's the kind of stuff that can cause narrative shifts to come back around for us to be like, man, did we take these players for granted? And I think that's, what's going to be the narrative a year from now when the, maybe Brooklyn's humming, they haven't had all the same problems that they had this year. Ben Simmons is integrated into the offense. Even if they kind of don't get past the second round this year, or they hit the bucks and the bucks beat them in the first round, Watching the offseason, like that's when I would start be really making Durant and Kyrie plays if they don't make it far in this this year's playoffs. I can see, I can see what you are saying with Durant. I can see the hobby as a whole looking back in retrospect and saying, you know what? Wow, Durant. And I think we do appreciate Durant to an extent. It's not that no one appreciates him now. We all know what how incredible he is now. He's one of the best pure scorers of all time. But him changing teams, you can't really overlook that fact. And the fact that he left the team, he went to the team that literally just beat him in the Western Conference Finals. So the Warriors beat the Thunder in the Western Conference Finals, and then he goes and signs with the Warriors. Look, like, I think that's there's nothing been- about that. You can't undo that. And I, I think that the hobby will slightly turn and say you know what yeah let's give this guy his 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 roses for sure but you you can't erase that and i think that's my thing now in terms of Kyrie, i don't ever see the hobby really being like oh Kyrie, man we love you you know you were that guy let's give Kyrie his, his flowers like i don't see that happening and if brooklyn doesn't do it this year i don't know I don't oh, know. I think next year they could come back and dominate. And I honestly think it's really good that they that Durant's going to be 15 years in the league next year, 16 years in the league. His game, dude, is not one that he re- he does not rely on pure athleticism. Like he's a score, he can pull up from three, he can create a shot from the mid range. His game will, I, I think it'll age really nicely. I think we're going to be surprised at how well it ages. Listen, as long as he can stay healthy, as long as he can stay healthy. In the last two years. Who have been the two most polarizing NBA players off the court in all of basketball? Kyrie and Durant. Is that what you're going to say? Kyrie and Ben Simmons. Okay. And now you have them on the same freaking team. And you're telling me that's a recipe for a championship. This might come back to bite me, but I do not see this team winning a ring. I'm sorry. Not, Not with those guys. I think their personalities are way too big and way too self centered to think about that team mentality i think they have a me first mentality i'm sorry i think they've got a chance to win it this year i would love to put a card on that i i would love that's how much i disagree with it i would love to somehow work it to where it's a fair bet how i'm not saying you could take brooklyn and i'll take the field i'm not saying that but listen We'll work something out. We'll work. A, we'll we work will something. definitely work something out. Okay. Because I want my damn Philip Rivers card back. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll work something out. Don't worry. Um, I, I think as long as they don't hit the bucks, I think they've got a chance before I want to get, we, we, we've hit an hour. I want to, I want to 
to, we, we can always talk. There's many more players we can talk about, but one more player we got to talk about Zion. This is the absolute bottom of the barrel about his narrative. And I just saw something come out that most likely he doesn't return for the season. So I think this is an absolute like narrative bottom for Zion right now, at least in the short term. What do you think? I don't have any Zion cards. I no, I don't either. I don't have any Zion. I mean, I had some I had some at, at one point I had some base rookie PSA tens, but I didn't I definitely didn't invest anything high end in, into anything high end, thankfully. Um yeah, man, I don't know. I mean, is he gonna go down as the biggest bust since Greg Odin? Let me say this, okay? If he ends up being a complete bust, I think he ends up becoming the biggest bust. He ends up getting labeled the biggest bust in NBA history. I cannot think of a bigger NBA bust than someone like Zion to this point, right? I mean, what do we have? Greg Oden, Kwame Brown. Um, I don't even know. Is there anyone else? I think Greg Oden's a, the classic there. Um, I think if you've got some balls and you want to make a real play, buying a Zion card would make logical sense to me. I don't think I'm going to do, I don't think I have it. I don't have the stomach for it. I don't think because he's so, he's such a massive person. And I just think that it's, he's going to have health issues for the rest of his career, even if he does make it back on the court. Um, so I'm, I, I personally don't think I'm going to make his eye on play, but do I think when we're talking about narrative bottoms and when to, when, when to buy a player and when it feels really horrible, it feels horrible right now to buy Zion. <laughs> It feels horrible. Listen, I make can, him a weirdly good buy. Can I can I tell you what is so funny, but I feel so bad laughing at it are all of these memes that I always see. You know, these memes, how like these filters that can make someone look more obese than they are. Like every time I see like a Zion meme with him looking like he's weighing like 600 pounds, like oh my god they're terrible but they're also just like so funny because you're like i think that is him because there were some you know there were some short video clips of him like running on the court a few months ago and they're like oh my god he's massive he got winded after doing two back and forths and that was it he got you know and then like i don't know if it was like his publicist or the team but they tried to come out so hard and kind of defend that narrative and say no that's not the case he's actually in great shape that was just the jacket he was wearing but it was like we all saw it he was winded after <laughs> it, was it like, doesn't feel good it doesn't feel good but man. he could be one of those that he comes back he's electrifying he's got the hype machine all built around him if he does actually make it back and is a productive nba player and actually plays well like I think you, we we could look back at this time and and say it was a good buying window. The only way he comes back and he's electrifying and proves all the naysayers wrong is if he has continued to work on the things he can work on, given you know his his health situation. But he's continued to work this whole time behind closed doors that we don't know about. There's no way if he has been taking this much time off not doing any exercise basically on that Charles Barkley uh you know practice routine there's no way he can come back and be effective unless he's been putting in the work behind the scenes this whole time yeah again i don't know if i believe in it so i'm not saying that i i would make the play 
But it I is a strange. It is a a strange thought. It's an interesting thought, Amel. I ha- we have to discuss it on this topic. Like it's just it's the guy right now, right? Like with the most upside that we've ever seen. Because if he does do the things that people expect him to do, like you're talking about a major upside there. But so let's look real quick before we wrap up. Let's look to see what his what has his national treasures. RPA last sold for. So, so let's look at his index actually. The and one this, out of the one uh, out of 99. Yeah. You tell me. But this is what his index shows on card ladder. It's uh it's dropped off from the end of last year a little bit. It did it did uh go up a little bit since the la- end of last year and his prices have over the last 2 years steadily gone up. Uh but and they have come down a decent amount, um, but they haven't come down as much as I thought they would, to be honest. But mm. come down a little bit, they have come down, but not as much as I thought. Honestly, I think I wish the buying opportunity would be better. That's the argument I would make: is that I don't think his buying opportunity is good enough right now in order to take that risk. But if they go down more, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So I am pulling up. I'm I'm trying. I'm not sure if you see anything. I'm on 130 point right now. So we talked about uh, last week, 130point.com, that website. I'm just trying to see if I can pull up his RPA. Not finding it. RPA out of 99. Rookie patch auto out of 99. Last sold for 33,000. And that was raw on January seventh of this year. Uh, so that card in February of twenty twenty one in a raw the the twenty nineteen out of ninety nine National Treasures RPA yep. peaked out at ninety three thousand according to Card Ladder. Wow! So this is what his Card Ladder looks like on that raw card. So it peaked out at ninety thousand, ninety three thousand. It was the high sale on Zion's RPA National Treasures. So the last sale on that card was 44,000 it looks like. But you said Yeah, that- one just sold for 33 in January. Okay. I don't know why yeah. that's not showing up on card ladder. Yeah. Uh, but again, that would not surprise me that his cards are bottoming out, you know? So I mean at this point if you had that card, right? If you have that card I mean, do you just hold it at this point? Because you're like, or do you just try to get out? You know, because, you know, I could remember talking to uh, Chris from Card Ladder on my pod last year. And, and he said, listen, when, when it comes time that a guy's price just really completely just taking a nosedive, what you kind of hope for is like this slow cascading effect. Like, okay, Rob loses 10 grand on the card. Then he hands it over to Amil. Amil loses 10. Then Amil hands it over to Joe. Joe loses 10. You never want to see one guy shoulder a 30 grand loss, you know, but, but at this point, like, do you hold that card or are you looking to just move it for 30 grand and be done with it? It just depends on what you believe. Like if you think Zion's, what would you do? If I had the card, you have the card right now. Someone's offering you 30K. You're into it for, say, 60. I'd probably take it. Would you? You would take it? You would... I'm, I'm a big believer in taking losses if you don't believe in the play. No, me too. Yeah. I mean, 
listen, I, I take, I take losses almost every day on cards, you know, and it's because I look at it like, would I rather have the money that's being offered to me now so I could take that and make a new play? Yeah. Or do I believe in the play in the card? Like you said, you know, and a lot of times it's, let me just get rid of this card. This card is stale. I've had it for a while. I don't believe in it. I don't even like looking at it anymore. No one's going to give me what I want for it. So I might as well take what I can get, move on from it. So you're saying that's what you would probably do with this ion. As long as you're going to reinvest it, I wouldn't just take a $30,000 loss to take a $30,000 loss. As long as you're going to do something with it that you think gives you the chance to take that 30,000 and make it into more money before Zion comes back and plays and gives you the upside of that card. Like if you believe that, then do it, take your money, reinvest it somewhere else because then it's the same thing as holding the Zion. But if you believe in the play, then just take your 30, put it in something else. If you believe that the play will be better. Like would I take Zion's RPA right now, put it into like a Kevin Durant, Tops Chrome or Fractor PSA 10 right now for 20,000 or 19,000. Ah, maybe like, you know, that's, that's the kind of thought process I would have is like, what's a card that I think is more flippable in the short term. Let me try that. If I'm going to take the $30,000 loss. Right. Yeah. And I, I tell you, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see what, and I know we got to wrap up. We're at an hour 12 right now, but I'm curious to see what, Luca and the Mavs can do in the playoffs, right? Because obviously Porzingis is no longer a Mav. Um, the Mavs currently at the time of recording this sit in fifth place in the standings. In fifth place, they've won seven out of the last 10, although they lost two straight. So I am curious to see what Luca can do because that Luca market over the last six months or so, it did have a bit of a correction, but you know, they're still not to where you would think they would be for what he's accomplished in this league. It still feels like the high end Luca is still high. I do. I, I I do think that. I mean, I don't think there's, if you're holding Luca high end stuff, there's no reason for you to sell right now. And I would hold Luca high end stuff for a long time. If you have Luca, like that's one of those guys where uh, I would keep, I would keep holding Luca. He's going to be a legend, man. He's so freaking good. And I don't think we've seen close to what Luca's going to do in this league. I, I'm a big. I, I just think Luca, even on this team, has a chance. I, I that's how much I believe it that Luca is going to be successful in this league. I think it comes down to can he stay in shape? Yeah, it's. Can I think he stay it, in shape? Yeah, but you can see he plays himself into shape. Now, what's going to happen as he gets older is that he'll stop playing himself into shape. He'll just come to the season in shape the way the really successful basketball players do. So I think that'll change over time as he gets older. Or he becomes a Charles Barkley or a Shaq. I don't see that happening. Okay. I think he gets better at it. I think he gets better at it. Yeah. I do. I think he's got, you could tell he's got the, like the hunger for it, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, he definitely makes some unbelievable plays even, even now on a nightly basis, right? Even, even now that it, it kind of feels like the shine is kind of worn off a little bit. Like the hype is kind of right. It's more on jaw, not so much on, on Luca. And you still see Luca making unbelievable plays on a nightly basis. It's pretty fun to watch. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Really appreciate it. We're going to sign off. Please give us a follow at the slab talk at sports car therapist on Instagram. Hit that subscribe button. Please leave a rating and a review. We appreciate you guys. Have a good night.